The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. The Supreme Court is back in session today hearing oral arguments. The court issued some opinions and also announced it was taking up four new cases. Joining me is Bloomberg News Supreme Court reporter Greg Storr. So, Greg, the court backed the Trump administration in a deportation case back to the 5-4 split with conservative justices in the majority and liberal justices in the minority. What was that case about? This case was about not whether somebody could be deported, but whether somebody who's subject to deportation was to be detained without the possibility of bond. We are talking about, in this case, people who are legal residents who committed a crime, and that might subject them to deportation. And the question went to the interpretation of a, of a federal immigration law that talked about whether folks like these were subject to what's known as mandatory detention, meaning there is no possibility of being released while the deportation proceedings go forward. This class action case was brought by, as you said, two lawful permanent residents who were taken into custody years after their release from prison. It's ironic that both were actually allowed to stay in the country after bond hearings. What are the implications of this decision for sanctuary cities? It could be especially important for sanctuary cities. The core issue in the case was whether if somebody completes their criminal sentence and then they're released and they're not picked up by federal authorities right away, whether they were still subject to mandatory detention as described under this federal immigration law. And the issue in sanctuary cities is that the officials don't always cooperate with federal officials and tell them, hey, we're about to release somebody who might be deportable. Um, And so in cases like the ones you described, somebody might be released, may even be living in the community for a number of years, and then is later picked up by federal immigration authorities. And those people were arguing we should have a right to at least be let go while our deportation case goes forward. But the Supreme Court today said, no, you're not. Now, Justice Stephen Breyer delivered the dissent from the bench, which is rarely done. What message was he trying to send and what was his dissent about? His dissent was both about the the wording of the federal statute, he disagreed with the interpretation of it, and that he thought that the majority's interpretation was going to cause a real constitutional problem, and that therefore the statute ought to be read in a way that didn't subject people to mandatory detention. You know, he talked about the, the possibility and, in fact, the reality that some people would be you know, living in the community, living productive lives, and then be picked up and not given a chance to get out until their deportation case is finalized. And saying it from the bench, does that send a message? 
it does. I mean, that's that's something justices do a few times a year. Um, it's actually pretty early in the term for a, a dissent from the bench. We we most often get those at the very end of the term. But yes, you're exactly right. That is something justices use to emphasize how strongly they feel about an issue. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Greg, it seems that immigration, cases involving immigration, definitely divide the court. I can't think of the last time there was a unanimous decision having to do with immigration, but you know better than I do. Uh, There's probably one that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. You know, one thing that's interesting about this, June, we talk about it as being the Trump administration, and, and it was. The Trump administration was defending the stricter interpretation of this law. But the Trump administration inherited this case from the Obama administration. This was more of a federal government arguing for our you know, broad power to detain people. And yet this decision at the Supreme Court ended up being along ideological lines. And one can't help but wonder what would have happened if the same issue came up to the court with, say, a Hillary Clinton arguing the case for the government. That would be very interesting. We will never find out, though, will we, Greg? No, we won't. <laughs> now, the court also decided on some new cases they're going to take up. Illegal immigration is, again, a subject of one of those cases. Yeah, this is a case involving Kansas and what happens when somebody applies for a job and uses a stolen Social Security number. That is an area, and we're, we're, of course, primarily talking about undocumented immigrants here, and that's an area that is traditionally a federal area. The federal government traditionally handles and has exclusive power over the employment of undocumented immigrants and how to deal with that. But in this case, Kansas decided that it wanted to prosecute three people for identity theft. And the issue before the court in this case, which they'll take up next term, is whether federal law precludes that sort of prosecution from going forward. This seems like it might be one of those divisive cases. Does this indicate that the court is becoming more willing to take on controversial cases? I don't think I would say that just because although this was a case that they didn't absolutely have to take, you know, in general, there are a lot of cases the court is not taking. They are sidestepping. One factor that weighed in here was that the Trump administration urged the Supreme Court to take up the case. And while the court doesn't take up every single case that the the federal government urges them to take up, usually when the government does urge that, the court agrees to hear it. So it wasn't an especially big surprise that the court took this case up, and we'll see how they rule, of course. That's Bloomberg News Supreme Court reporter Greg Storr. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. 
Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at cutter